Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And welcome to The Tim's Take, episode 32. It's hard to even know what to say about this week. (laughs) We were joking earlier that the best night of the week is when I set myself on fire. Yes, that's true. I was going to start off by saying that this was our golden episode, not because of the colors of the flames that you experienced this week, but rather because this episode is my age. This is like a golden birthday is when you turn the day. I don't know. If you don't understand golden birthdays, uh, you can Google it. But this is our golden episode. It does so happen that this week was a rough week. Was it ever? But it's okay. I am unharmed. My scarf, not so much. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not completely ashes, but it was promptly put in the trash. It was burned. It was melted. Yeah. Do you want to say more about this? I thought we could kind of just open with a general recap of the last couple of weeks. I feel like the week before this one was relatively uneventful. Yeah, I think that's true. Is that just because I don't remember it because of this week? Possibly. <laughs> but we recorded after getting back from our big trip. Yep. By which we simply mean that we drove two hours and then three hours. The week went on. It was full like they all are. Then this week was just... We're talking existential crises for me, for you. Oh, yeah. It was too much. We got our roof redone. I went to the dentist. I got a new job. I set myself on fire. It was just a lot. It really wasn't that much to do with Oliver other than that. Yeah, he makes life complicated and everything's just slower and you can't do things at the pace in which you used to before you had a kid. And I think I'm still coming to terms with that. I don't think I realized until this week that you hadn't reconciled that. (laughs) Like, I feel like maybe you had acted. I don't know if it's because I was struggling with it more. So then you just kind of take on the role of, yeah, this is how it is. Let me help you process it. But this week felt like actually the first time where I was like, oh, Rachel hasn't processed this. Yeah, it hits me in ways. There's sure. some, there's sometimes where I'm like, okay, it's fine. We don't need to get every house project done. But there is a pressure maybe. Like we have just been using our guest room as a holding room for all of the stuff that we haven't like put up on our walls and decorated, mm-hmm. which has been fine. And it can continue to be that, except, oh, my parents are going to come in two months, which sounds like a lot, but we've been in this house for three months and it's still been a holding room. <laughs> so no, we've been in this house less than two months. Almost. Well, we've owned the house for like three months. Yeah, but we couldn't move into the house when we owned it. No, we got the keys in early January. So it's almost been three months since we've had the keys. Yes, but we didn't move in for a following three weeks. Yes, I know. Which but is important, I think, to remember when it comes to <laughs> this conversation. It's all important to remember that we, like, have a kid. My counselor had to remind me many times this week. You have an eight-month-old. Life is not the same as it was. And so you have to be gracious to yourself and gentle that these things are going to take more time. And there's obviously more yeah. distractions. And so much of that is a gift and a joy, but it definitely is a change. And I think COVID has somewhat warped like what having a kid does to like what your life used to be (laughs) Mm. because everything this year has been so abnormal and different and in a lot of ways slower and so as things start to change with that I think I'm realizing like oh yeah that life that we had 
a year and a half ago isn't coming back to us. And that's okay, but it's coming to terms with it a little bit. Right. That's maybe a good segue. I don't think we need to dive super deep into this past week because it was a little bit less parenting, a little less Oliver. Just some emotional baggage that we carry as parents, as people. (laughs) So we won't ask you to be the porter for our baggage this week. But as you said, things are slowly, I think returning to normal is not the right word for what's happening. But some restrictions are easing in our area where, you know, more and more people getting vaccinated, which is all great. Of course, we're recording this in March, which is for the American experience. That's probably important to say of COVID-19 Yes, is about the year marker for when it really started impacting us. And so I thought, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I thought, I wonder if it's just worth kind of pausing and having some conversation around this. Then you see a lot of that happening online. And then my thought was like, well, I don't want to just contribute to the noise or just, yeah, be unnecessarily down, especially as things are improving. But then I remember our friends, Sam and Kelly Gutierrez, did a podcast relatively early on in uh, the pandemic. And this was on the Bell Tower podcast, which is Sam's church's, Alger Park Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's their podcast. He had Kelly on to talk about grief and the place of grief in the pandemic. And early on, one of the things that she just said is the importance of naming losses. And so I thought, you know, this is the time where it is tempting to feel like you've turned a corner, but there's still a lot of loss and there's still a lot of, I think, grieving that both we have to do collectively and we have to do individually. So rather than sort of seek out silver linings, I thought we could just name, maybe specifically with respect to parents, some of the hard things or some of the losses that have come out of this season, not in a sense to make you feel bad for us, (laughs) because we know that really we're saying this and we're going to share these things in the context of being incredibly fortunate and incredibly grateful. Our losses in terms of people whom we love have been really minimal. It's more in our extended church community that we've experienced that than in an immediate way, which is really a grace. But there's still loss and it's still worth naming. So I thought we could kind of walk through not blow by blow the year, but some big themes. Hmm. How does that sound? Yeah, sounds good. Well, I'd like to begin. This is where the listener realizes that Matt didn't tell Rachel everything that was going to happen on the nope, episode. Nope, I'm just getting curveballs thrown at me, which is how I like it. <laughs> on the spot. Let's go. <laughs> but I wanted to hear a little bit because one thing that's never been talked about on the podcast really in a lot of detail is what it was like being pregnant in COVID-19, which is, of course, yeah, that predates the podcast. But was your experience your last the second half of your pregnancy really was in quarantine and isolation. Yeah. I mean, so I had a pretty rough first trimester, pretty out of commission from October through December. I just, I had to be in bed by 8 p.m. I was pretty nauseous all the time and just wasn't, wasn't a great like socializing time. Then January and February were fine. And then March we went, to Hawaii for a baby moon and then we came back and about a week later I went to the doctor and kind of asked hey what's the situation on all this COVID stuff and they're like oh yeah if you can work from home maybe you should Mm, that's right and so I talked to my work and they're like yeah that's fine and a day later our state was in a shutdown yeah it was really it was hard it was a lot I think 
because there was so much unknown at that point. Like, I just, like, I was grieving for everything that I didn't know I was going to lose, but Mm -hmm. thought I might lose with all of this. I just, I journaled a little bit back then. (laughs) I went back and read some of those from this, that past year. And I was like, whoa, yeah, I was, I was in a dark place. I think I just, it's scary to be bringing life into a world that you didn't know at that point. You know, the risk for me or for the baby was obviously very scary, but also just the things that are joyful about bringing a baby, like people at the hospital or baby showers or getting to talk to other moms, all of that just was like kind of non-existent we made ways to make it work you know over time it was like okay let's do a virtual baby shower and yeah you know but it was like i mean my parents saw me once when i was pregnant which is crazy Mm. and even your parents who live locally like for the last half of my pregnancy i didn't see them inside like we sat outside right we did birthdays in garages and we Uh did you know like it was just how crazy is that? Yeah, I remember the showers being a particular kind of painful thing for you because you are a party person far more than me. Right. <laughs> and certainly those are markers in terms of celebrations. And so I remember even having the conversation about an alternative. And it's not often that I have to be the hype person for a party, but I was definitely... <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> I definitely had to be the hype person for for those parties. And they ended up being meaningful and sweet, but they also weren't what you would expect. That was certainly a loss. Yeah. And then one of the layers for us, too, was, you know, as you get closer and closer, the excitement builds. Sort of people are more aware that you're about to give birth because you're visually, <laughs> physically changing. Well, you... You had almost no one who was noticing those markers, and we were being even more cautious. So you had what's a usual kind of season of building excitement with, I know everyone kind of goes into it differently, right? People bring various anxieties into birth, and that was certainly present for us as well. But one of the anxieties was we have to be as careful as possible, because if I were to get COVID, uh, then I'm potentially not in the hospital with you or if you got COVID then you have to be isolated as well and there was this extra layer of anxiety where for us to be together knowing we couldn't bring in someone else it was we just had to be super careful yeah and that was pretty scary like the thought and I mean people do it and I mean I don't quite understand how women are amazing around the world who give birth by themselves but that was not the path I would have chosen obviously and so it was a lot of fear about especially yeah, you not being able to be there or us yeah. being able to do that together. And it ended up working out and our hospital experience was great and in some ways very much our own. And I think I don't know how many people I would have wanted to experience me in those few days of recovery. Sure. But you always want the choice. Yeah, right. You'd rather have the choice. That is, I mean, that's a good way to maybe name some of those kind of late pregnancy losses and even as we move to talk about post Oliver's birth is the loss of choice throughout is certainly mm-hmm. kind of a pain point where you kind of felt forced or sometimes didn't even know what the right choice was. Maybe we can transition to post birth. So Oliver's born. The hospital is its own unique thing. I think we received not having visitors in the hospital 
pretty my impression is actually that was pretty okay with us it felt simpler yeah (laughs) sorry to all those we love sorry to those we love but i think the nurses were at that point anyway in june of last year is still like this is this makes our job easier yeah Mm -hmm. and so that worked out fine but then obviously there's coming home there's a little bit of kind of acclimating and then at least one thing and feel free to add to this but one of the things that i was just noting in terms of loss was it was both nice initially that no one could see Oliver or hold Oliver. Once he left certain stages, it suddenly was poignant mm-hmm. that no one got to hold him yeah. at that age. Does that make sense? Yeah, because he is a total squirmer now. You, he will not be held in a like cuddly way. He, you are a mechanism for him to see the world. <laughs> That's <laughs> that a good description. <laughs> and that is about all like holding him right now entails. And there was a time in which he would sleep on you and just like kind of be a lump on you in a cute way. Yeah. A cute lump. And yeah, almost no one got to hold him in that stage except for immediate, immediate family. I was talking to someone the other day about what it might have been like. You know, the the alternate timeline at church, right, where Mm -hmm. you had all these people who were so excited and so excited to meet him. And it's so funny now, even now, like last Sunday, I'm seeing some people and they're like, how old is Oliver now? And the guesses go all the way from three months to he's over a year, right? Yeah. The the sense of time is just so wacky. But in this alternate universe where there was no COVID, I was saying to this person, yeah, I'm pretty confident that we could have come out of church, given Oliver to someone left had lunch and probably then come back and he would be with a different person at that point but he would have been passed around the age it would have been fine but that's just a reality that never happened there was no kind of shared holding experience and i think in terms of things that i grieve like experiencing church with oliver this first year i think is one of them Mm. in the way that we were used to church at least we just went back inside to church this week And it was great, and I mean, I think it was emotional for me, but it was also still different. It wasn't this, like, celebratory, like, gathering that it used to be where people were hugging each other and, you know, eating cookies around the table and Mm -hmm. this whole thing. And it's a little bit of that. It's like a shadow of that right now. And, and, And still really nice and beautiful, but definitely still not that. And... To not have him experience worship music and a full band all around him sure. and voices and people coming up to him. Like, he loves looking at people. And I just think he would get the biggest kick out of that. And so, yeah, obviously he won't remember. But for us, I think that's a loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, totally fair. The third thing that I had on my list, and again, you can add more as well, is just how hard connections have been. We we have friendships that really haven't sustained because of COVID and have probably like come to an end. But then there's also, you know, I, you sort of have, I think, classically, at least in my mind, stereotypically, I have this idea that the kind of the parents kind of bunker down, which is a season in which you need people usually reaching out to you. And we had a lot of people who really generously made us meals. That was like 
That was a golden age. That's just, that's not a silver lining of COVID at all. That's just the positive of having a child, at least <laughs> in, our, in our community. Someone the other day at work was like, oh, I need to get a gift for a new parent. Any ideas? And I was like, a DoorDash gift card. Yeah, for Just sure. a DoorDash <laughs> gift card. It's <laughs> amazing. But at some point, you emerge, so to speak, and want to connect with folks. And that's just been, I mean, connecting with people is already not my strong suit. But in general, and I think I've noticed this for you, that's been a hard piece of what this looks like definitely because i mean oliver is such a big part of your life and now you don't know you can't just like here hold the baby engage in this part so you're trying to figure out how to do that you're trying to figure out out what it looks like for yourself are we i mean we've just been through winter so when we live in california there's some flexibility in terms of outdoor things but I mean, there were some nights where it was like, okay, it's probably 45 degrees outside and we're all sitting around and Oliver's bundled (laughs) and man, I mean, this is not ideal and I'm glad we made it work because I do think community is worth it, but it was not easy. Yeah, no, it hasn't been. Do you have have anything else you'd add to that? I mean, this is a a light cursory 15 minute list, right? This is the full, let's brainstorm all the the pain points of the last year, but... Anything else? Yeah, I think something I've been processing recently is even just the lack of childcare options. So Matt's parents live in the area and we've kind of been connected with them since Oliver was born because we just we knew we needed some help. And they've been amazing. And I just am eternally grateful for all that they've done. But it's still in terms of like, I mean, even if we were to take a date night, where would we go? <laughs> like, There hasn't been places to, like, you know, you just haven't had, I think, some of that other time than Oliver because hmm. it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Where are we going to go? Who are we going to see? Like no one recently. And maybe, again, that's all starting to shift, I think, a little bit. But I think I had visions of like, oh, we'll go out and we'll go see a movie and that will feel so normal, like pre-kid normal, like forget COVID, You're like oh, this is just you and me together. Hmm. And yeah, we have a kid at home and that's great, but we can have a life outside this and it all just feels way more muddled. (laughs) Yeah, that's... Now, and I mean, not that we would have gone out every weekend or anything, but I just think we haven't had a lot of separation (laughs) Hmm. in some of those ways. Yeah, your parents are great, but we can't... It feels hard to ask that of them at every turn and and that's not something we want to do either no i mean it just yeah if you just had someone else in the mix that you can pay and you feel comfortable with it's like great okay or even other parents who you know i think there's options to like hey i'll watch your kids and you watch my kids and then we'll we can each go have a day or a few hours or whatever right and we just haven't had that so Hmm. i think i've yeah it's hard to even know what that would look like, but I think I'm starting to feel that I've maybe missed some of that. Mm. You miss my just unolivered company. Yes. Yeah, that's, of course. I mean, you get it during naps and stuff, but you're always on alert. And right. it's a different thing than like, oh, we're out of the house. We're 20 minutes away at a restaurant. Totally. Unless there's an emergency, I'm not on duty right now. Yeah, right, right, right. So. No, that's, that's well said. Well. Maybe we can press pause there. Again, we share these things not not to garner some kind of pity, but just to name and as part of our hopefully helpful reflection. And also, I imagine there's probably some listeners out there who have felt 
whether they're parents or not or currently parenting a baby or not there's probably some resonance there so consider this kind of a, a corporate podcast lament maybe for the last year and a marker in this crazy time yeah let's make a hard turn because we're gonna land on some mailbags mailbag oh right it's been a while Woohoo! but we've had i think i think i can say this with absolute confidence our two most faithful listeners our friend carissa and our friend andre have chimed in so let's let's start with carissa who was addressing a recent conversation that we had about oliver's tendency to make so much noise during food here was the subject line of her email to us silence while eating ha which basically sets the tone for what she's about to inform me of and really make me just long for the days where i used to be able to have a quiet meal she says this dinner these days this is in her life consists of constantly getting up and down and picking up stuff thrown off the high chair refilling cups getting napkins etc while hearing comments like no 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 eggy i want milk more more milk oh no fork need fork while the older one rattles off whatever's on his mind i'm lucky if i get to remain seated for a full 10 minutes Silence at dinner time with the kids would actually worry me, unless it's silence because they are all busy chewing because they like the food they're eating, which also doesn't happen often because I've got a picky five-year-old and a toddler who's going through the normal toddler picky stage. Happy Monday, she said. Well, it is really demoralizing. <laughs> Carissa has mostly provided joyful, encouraging mailbags, but this one, I just don't know how I feel. <laughs> that one was just like, welcome to doom. <laughs> This is your life now. I just, there was a meal this week where you and I really tried to have a conversation and Oliver the whole time, I mean, we are just talking at like five decibels louder than we normally would. And we're just plowing through. But to anyone else, they would just think, what on earth? This child is just so loud. And these two parents are just carrying on trying to have a normal conversation. Well, Carissa's just telling us to buckle up for at least the foreseeable future. I can't even imagine when he starts talking. I'm hoping that once he can talk, he can at least... I think I would rather, oh, no fork, need fork, or more eggy or whatever it was. uh, More than... uh, (laughs) Like something that's telling me. Anyway, thanks, Carissa, for the doom and gloom. (laughs) What we have to look forward to. All right, here's Andres. He says, a friendly hello. He says, hello, Tim's Take. I've been away from the pod for a while and just recently started listening again. Let's pause right there. Ouch. All right, continuing on. Like all fine food, mostly wine and cheese, you guys just get better with age. Okay. Getting better. Feels pointed about maybe how old we are, though. Season two already? Amazing. Yes, Andre, we're in season two. I'm working my way backwards, so I still have more episodes to catch up. But it's so good to hear your voices over the sound waves. As always, love hearing the takes, the things of note, the highs and the lows. So relatable, so helpful in my own processing of parenthood and not just parenthood. Thanks for your continued vulnerability and transparency. It helps us all in the Tim's Take community. Remember how much grace we need and how life is a process of learning as we go. Looking forward to more. Until next time, your friend of the pod. Courage. I want to say... This mailbag really took a positive turn there. Thank you, Andre. We needed it. (laughs) Thank you for the encouragement, Andre. Also, I do want to say, there's no shame, folks, about where you leave off or you pick up. 
I, d I did maybe imply a little bit of shame to Andre, but there's no shame. We understand we're one of many podcasts that you could listen to. You know, just tune in and tune out when you want. But maybe then tune back in someday. Maybe we'll get better at this and you'll enjoy it even more. So anyway, thanks, Andre, for the encouragement, for the kind words. We love getting mailbags. We do. I, so. I don't always respond to them all. I realize I haven't responded to either of these via email, so I should and say that we talked about them. But You definitely should. Mm -hmm. But it really it makes our day when we receive a letter. So if you want to send in a mailbag, here's how you do it. Timstake at gmail.com. And maybe we'll read it on the pod. We had to sort through like thousands of mailbags, and these two made the top list. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not at all true. Listen. You send a mailbag, you're going to get read on the air. No question. Well, I think that's it. That episode, we you set yourself on fire. We revisited a whole year. We got two amazing mailbags. It's a very full episode. It's the first day of spring. We realized this is the last season that Oliver hasn't experienced yet as a baby because he was born in the middle of summer. So this feels exciting and hopeful, and hopefully we're turning the corner for many reasons in the coming weeks and months that's my silver lining wife there just landing us landing us in the end i'm here for you until next time i'm matt i'm rachel and that is your tim's take